0: Okay. Uh, so just settle down there. I'm going to be sharing my screen and stuff.
1: You said to be in live stream. And I says okay. <coughs>
0: Good evening people, good evening, and this is Andy from Andy's Personal Development. We are in the breakout room and our special guest on this program is none other than Mr. David Lewis. Mr. David Lewis is known as the rogue life insurance agent expert and there are many reasons why he is called by that name. And we'll give him an opportunity very shortly to express himself and to tell you why he is called the Rogue Life Insurance Agent Expert. He has a legacy in the insurance industry and is a young man with a whole lot of heart and great potential. A very interesting and intriguing story of how he got into the industry. Is associated with Finance Global. Podcast is Greed is Good and also Money Genics. So I present to you on the breakout room this evening, none other than Mr. David Lewis. How are you, David?
1: I'm doing good. How are you doing,
0: Andy? I'm doing fine. I'm doing fine. I'm doing fine. Thank, so, you, for, uh,
1: thank you for having me on.
0: Yeah, thank you for being here, my friend. This is indeed a wonderful time. And I'm very happy to have you on at this time. So tell me something, David. Yeah. What got you involved in the insurance industry? What it is that was the driving force that got you involved in the insurance industry?
1: Wow. That's a long story. How long we got? <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, You're the man in the spotlight, bro. You just put all you know.
1: <laughs> yeah. So uh, I think um, I think it. I think the seeds for that probably started um, years and years ago. One of the one of the first jobs that uh, one of the first jobs that I ever had. Um, I worked for a large international. Um, uh, corporation that was uh, made a lot of different kind of glass products. Um, and they, that there's at that time, at the time that I was working with them, there's there uh, they had just developed a, uh, and this was when fiber optics was new Yeah. and they were, they were developing this very high tech fiber optics uh, system. And it was going to, it was going to be kind of the next best thing. And uh, they're the next, you know, big thing in uh, telecommunications. And so a lot of my coworkers and I was very, very young at this time. I was, uh, I must, I, I was 20. I think I had just turned 21 when I started working for them. And uh, we, uh, a lot of my coworkers were, were at least 10 years older than me. You know, there were some other young guys in there, but a lot of them were a lot older than them. And they c- sort of had, you know, at least I thought they had, uh, you know, a lot more knowledge about how to, you know, save money and stuff like that because they would talk a lot about putting money in their 401k plan and the company pushed I mean, the company actually did push it um, because they, you could buy stock in the company and they had some, you know, some sort of special plan that I, at the time I knew nothing about. And so I was just talking to my friends about it. Like, yeah, we're there. Everybody's like buying stock and they're getting rich and everybody's talking about how they're making money. Oh my God, look at my 401k is awesome. And, you know, it wasn't, it was something that you know, they would, they would occasionally, they would talk about kind of on lunch break and stuff like that. And, and the older people um, that were, were getting closer to retirement, they were really happy about it because they, it was just a great time. The economy was booming. This was in the late 90s. So if you, you know, in, in the United States in 1999, uh, 1998, 1999, that was the run-up in the tech boom, you know, and everybody, I mean, everybody loved the stock market. And uh, they, you know, the, then there was the, you know, the, the crash and I can remember sitting, uh, a lot of us got laid off um, and, you know, we lost our job. And I, I can remember going out to uh, uh, going out to a restaurant with a couple of my coworkers and sitting across we got, got in the booth and we're sitting down and, and, you know, we're drinking drinks and, and, you know, just sort of trying to figure out like what, like, what just happened, like, what actually, what just happened here, you know? And because uh, it, it was in, it was really, it was just, it, it was almost like we came in, we came in one day, it was like come in you know, maybe it was like a Monday or something. I don't know the exact day, but maybe was, you could come in one day and you, and the boss says, okay, we got a meeting and they just call you into this room and they just start reading off your number, right? Because you had a union number and everything. Okay. Everybody with this union number, this union number, see ya, you're gone, wow. Right. Yeah. And it's that that's they just call you in a room, they sit you down, they say, Okay, that from this number to this number. Uh, We're sorry, we gotta let you go. And so mm-hmm. I'm sitting here in the restaurant, and I'm sitting across in the in the booth, and uh talking to to my friends. And, you know, this, this uh one friend of mine, she, uh, you know, she's talking about how she she's and she was in her 60s, I think. And she was getting pretty close to retirement. And she was telling me, she, you know, she was and she was in tears and everything. And she's, and I just remember, I just it's like burned into my brain. She said, I can't retire. She said, I, I lost everything. Wow. And that was, and that, I didn't understand that. Um, at that time, I just couldn't wrap my head around it because the company was doing well. Everybody was getting paid well. The company actually paid a wage that was higher than every other company, every other business in the area. Um, every time we, every time I asked anybody about how all this retirement stuff worked, Everybody said, Oh, it's so easy. Everybody, it's, you know, you don't, you, all you got to do is blah, 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 just put some money in there and everything is going to be fine. And so to hear people talk within weeks, have people talk about how their entire life was ruined, I thought, this is scary, first of all, that that could happen. You know, like my life could be ruined in a matter of weeks or months. Uh, I'm not sure I want to do this, you know? And uh, and then, of course, the aftermath, you know, so I think that I think that um, I think that planted the seed for wanting to know more about how all the stock market worked and all that stuff, because I didn't want to be on the receiving end of that. And I that that was and I didn't have you know, I didn't really get in a lot. you know, when you're in your early 20s, you're not worried that much about retirement. But people are always constantly when you're surrounded with people who are in their 40s and 50s and 60s, they're always they're talking about it, you know. So, so you, you get the information from them on your lunch break and, you know, you, and at the time we were working 12 hour shifts. So you spent a lot of time with your coworkers and, um, and so, but I knew that at some point I was going to have to start doing that stuff myself. And I did not want to be on the receiving end. And I've never forgotten that lady. I've never forgotten her and and the look on her face. And that, and I, I just, I think it was just burned into my brain, you know, Wow. know, yeah. wow. I mean, a person's whole life was destroyed. I mean, you can imagine like working 20, 30, 40 years and then turning and all of a sudden within months, it's gone. I just couldn't, I just couldn't understand that at that time. I just couldn't fathom how that could happen.
0: Right.
1: And uh, yeah, so Hmm. that was kind of the, that was kind of the beginning. That was kind of the seed I think that got planted. And then years, years later, um, you know, years later, I, uh, I, a, a large financial firm uh, approached me and asked me if I wanted to uh, ask me if I wanted to come and try out, like basically like an audition, you know, we're not sure we are really interested in you, but you're welcome to come down and do an interview, that kind of thing. And um, they, I went down, they had me take a couple of tests you know, they sit you in a room and they're like, "Here, take this, take this test," and they and they score it. It's some sort of personality and psych test. And they came back and they said, uh, "You know, I didn't get a call for I think two weeks or something." And then they called me back and said, hey, "We want you to come back in." I thought, "Great, I did awesome." This is you know. They called me and sat me down, and and uh, the guy sat me down and said, "Well, uh, I'll be honest with you, your test results are horrible." <laughs> <laughs> You don't have the psych profile to, to do this, you know, but he said there was one area that you scored really well in and that was creativity and it was off the charts and we want you to come and consider working with us. And I was like, okay. So basically they were telling me I was not cut out to be a salesperson. I couldn't do a lot of the sales type stuff, but they wanted me because of some other reason I, at the time I said, this is super fascinating. I, it was a slow momentum. I was, you know, building up to this. So I took the job and uh, and at that job, you know, I made, I, I probably made every mistake you could make. Um, <laughs> like, I felt like I wasn't really doing anything right, you know, and, and my boss was letting me know that I wasn't really doing everything right. And, uh, and so there was one night where he said, he finally pulled me aside. And he said, look, you're going to go out on a meeting with me, we're going to go out to see some clients. Uh, you have to learn this. I hired you, we put all this money into training you, you have to get give- <laughs> so I was like all right you know might as well so he took me along and we go out to uh we went out to uh, one of his clients that he it was one of his clients and he had been doing this for 30 or 40 years or something like that yeah. and he was like the big boss so like, he ran the whole office and <clears throat> so he, we went out and he had this I don't know it was like a, a, a manual I mean it was almost like a thick if anyone can remember telephones, you know, telephone books uh, when you, you know, and they, and the old rotary phones and you used to come with the telephone books. And uh, yeah, he, he had one of these telephone book size manuscripts with him, and we brought it out to these, it was a nice couple. Um, he delivered this thing and then they handed him a check and he's like, all right, let's go. And we walked out and I said, what did we do? <laughs> and he said well we just delivered a financial plan to them and he said it's uh it's and I said what's the check for and he said he showed me the check and it was for I think it was for about three thousand dollars wow. and he said yeah and he said uh um he said and that's that's what you do I he said I want you to be able to do that I said well, well what is it like what did we do I said that was a really thick plan that you just handed do they actually read all that and he looked at me and I never forget his response he looked at me and he said uh he said, I have no idea. <laughs> so oh. you can see like there's just things that just don't add up to me, right? There's a yep. lot of things that don't add to me at this point. So and we got back to the office. Um, and this by this time, it was after the office was basically closed, but he was still talking to me. And we were talking like inside baseball stuff. And uh, we got back to the office and he's, you know, and he wants, cause he re, he's really trying to help me out. And I'm just not doing very well. I'm not a company man. I'm not towing the company line. I'm, <laughs> you know? Uh, and so I get in there and uh, he starts talking to me about, um, you know, he starts talking to me about, you know, the types of things that go into the financial plan that he just did for these people. Yeah. Yeah. And I said, you recommended mutual funds, you recommended this and that, and then also, and I said, do you, I said, that's, I said, that sounds like a lot. Like I'm still young and I still don't get all of this stuff. I said, but I said, do you do any, I, and I don't want to offend you or anything, but I mean, do you do all this stuff yourself? And he said, well, <laughs> he said, you know, I invest in the company's 401k. Ooh. He said, but most of my money, probably 75, 80% of all of my savings. He said, I put into whole life insurance
0: okay.
1: that, and, and I, and I looked at it and I said, whole life insurance. They said, I mean, I'm familiar with the company's whole life product, uh, but I, nobody talks about this, right? Nobody talks about, I, like I, I'm talking to, we've got stockbrokers at work in the office. We got investment advisors. We do have insurance agents. And that's where I started was an insurance agent and a registered representative to sell investments. Yeah. I said, but like a lot of the guys don't, they don't talk a lot about whole life insurance. They talk about the mutual funds. They talk about stocks. They talk about you know, uh, everything except whole life insurance. He said, well, he said, I put it in whole life insurance because honestly, nobody actually knows what the stock market's gonna do. And if I put my money in there, I sleep well at night. I, I'm willing to make money in the 401k, he said, but I sleep well at night. And that's when it really clicked for me. I mean, that's when I started really getting serious about it. And I thought if this guy who's been doing this for 30, 40 years, his confidence at his confidence level, he can access any, pretty much the, the firm was, it's an, it's an international firm. I mean, it's a large financial firm. Yeah. He could access any investment he wants and he puts most of his money into whole life insurance. I need to know, I need to become an expert in this. This is what I need to specialize. I need to know more about this. Right. And, that's, and that's what got me down the road. That's when I think things started getting really serious.
0: Wow, very intriguing, David and you know it brings me to another question but before i, I get into that question I'm, I'm real curious yeah the name or or the subricade or the addition to your name the rogue life insurance agent expiry how yeah. did that come about was that because of your 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 ambition towards being successful or or the way in which you went about things or how did it happen
1: you know that was that was a name that was given to me. Basically, <laughs> um, it's funny uh, that in retrospect I can kind of see how it happened. At the time, I didn't really get it, and it was just something that was just sort of, you mm-hmm. know, something that was given to me, and I just sort of ran with it. Okay. And basically, the it, it's a lot of the stuff I've always kind of been this this. I kind of go my own way, you know, I, I, I typically I'm not the type of person that follows the crowd. I tend to think outside the box, not, I know, I don't sit around and just say, oh, I'm going to think outside the box. You know, I just, I, there's certain things that just never occur to me, like following, following the crowd just n- usually just never occurs to me. I'm always trying to think about, you know, how would I want to do, like, how would I want to solve a certain problem? And usually I end up coming up with solutions. And if I share them with somebody, I don't always share them with somebody, but when I do, they're like, I, I didn't know that you could, you know, I, usually, I just do it this other way, you know, and I'm thinking, oh, is that the way most people do it? And I just it is, I just never occurred to me to do it that way. So when I met, um, when I first met my wife, um, you know, there were certain things about her, you know, that, that just really appealed to me. And uh, one of those things was that she was, I just got this sense, I got this impression that she was a born rebel. Like she just was, you know, she was counterculture. She was against the grain. And I was like, I, I'm gonna marry that woman. <laughs> you know? And yeah. And uh yeah, so she um, but you know, it was a funny thing was is that and I and I it took me a really long time to to see this, was that I think that when you find, you know, people talk about finding their soulmate. And I think when you find your soulmate, I think when you find a soulmate, you, you find someone, it's like looking into a mirror and you're really sort of looking at a reflection of yourself. And it dawned on me one day, she said, you know, she, we were talking about something and she said, you know, you're always, you're always kind of teasing me and kind of make fun of me about how I'm this, you know, this born rebel. She's like, you're the one that's always going rogue. And that's, and that's where it started. And I, and I, I said, you know, I, am not going to argue with that. I guess. Yeah, I guess that is, I I guess I'm, you know, and then it just sort of evolved from there and I, and it just became the rogue life insurance agent. Um, You know, I, the way that I run my business type of advice, the principles that I teach clients are, you know, I, I tell people I don't do financial planning. I'm not a financial planner. Um, because I don't do the financial planning process. Um, I don't, in my, in my personal opinion, I'm not telling other people what to do, but in my personal opinion, I just don't think it's a good idea. I don't, I don't follow those principles. And it's, it is, in a sense, it is sort of going rogue, you know, in, in a sense that I'm going against all the mainstream, you know, popular financial advice and wisdom. And, um, you know, and, I'm not saying it's necessarily the right way or the best way, but all of my clients are happy with it. And so that's what matters. I guess it works for you. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. So coming out of the, the first response that you gave, I get that it was like a sort of, uh, soul searching moment for you Yeah. and the reality of that situation that caused you to think, like you said, outside of the box. But the question I want to ask is why why do some successful investors and asset managers, which we are familiar with down here, yeah. buy whole life insurance for themselves or even recommend it to others? What is the key to that?
1: You say why don't they? Or why do they? Why do asset managers recommend yeah. it? Yeah. Well, a lot of them don't. Mm-hmm. Um I mean, so there are, there are, you, you see sort of a select few who do, and there's a lot of criticism uh, about whole life insurance. And you see a lot, I mean, if you get on the internet and you start searching around a lot you start searching for whole life insurance, you see that there's a lot of investment advisors, a lot of financial planners. They have a lot of very negative things to say about it. But then you see um, every once in a while, you're going to run into you're going to run into these very strange anomalies. Um, Like, for example, I just recently I was reading an interview with uh, Michael Milken. And if people know who Michael Milken is, one of the most famous bond investors who's ever lived in the 1980s. I think his income was something like five hundred million dollars. That was his income, not his net worth. That was his income. And that was in the '80s, right? This guy knows bonds. He knows bond investments. He's an expert investor. <clears throat> in this interview, he was he was um, he was uh, talking to the CEO of one of um, the largest mutual life insurance companies in the United States. And um, during the interview, you know, he they're, they're they're going back and forth about the insurance industry, and he's you know, at one point, he stops. He says, "Full disclosure." my family, we buy a lot of whole life insurance from your company. We're, we, we, we buy a lot of whole life. And, and you know, when the CEO stops, he's like, well, you know, thanks. I guess, you know, it was just one of those weird moments, you know, and, and, and I just thought that was, I thought that was really insightful. You know, what is an expert investor like Michael Milken, what is the, What does he need with whole life insurance? But clearly, there's a benefit there, right? People don't buy things because they're not valuable, especially in professional investors. They don't buy things unless they think they're really, really valuable. Um, there was an there was another uh, there was another somewhat famous case of uh, um, or another interview that I was reading about. I think it was the uh, I think it was. The investment analyst, or one of the analysts at, at uh, Charles Schwab, uh, it was the same deal. She was asked about, you know, where do you put your money, and she says, you know, we have a good chunk of it in whole life insurance. Why? The financial security, you know, and the the hedge against something going wrong. If something goes, I could be seventy five percent sure that's that's that this that my financial plan is going to go right. On a 25% chance, if it's wrong, if something goes wrong, I don't want to be caught, you know, losing money that I can't afford to lose. Right. And that's what the whole life insurance, by definition, protects you against those losses. you know, protects you against those losses. So, and you every once in a while, you'll see somebody, you'll see, you know, an asset manager, fund manager, and sometimes they will recommend it. A lot of times, you know, what you find is the mainstream financial gurus, the self-proclaimed financial gurus, the experts, a lot of times they don't, and they'll openly rail against it. But you find like you'll find people just you'll find that it's the quiet types. So they're the people that you just haven't. They're you know they're, they're big names. You would know the names, they're household names. But they're the ones if they give an interview, if they talk about it at all, and somebody asks them, they, you'll find out. Yeah, they buy they buy a whole life CEOs of major corporations. You know. Uh, household corporations like General Electric or General, yeah, General Electric. I think, They, uh, you know, they're buying, You see the list and how much life insurance they buy, and it's and it's some of it is public. Some of it is required because of certain public disclosure, you know, regulations and stuff. But yeah, you'll find you'll just find it. Why does this? Why does this person have a you know, ten million or fifty million dollar policy or whatever? <laughs> They don't buy things because they're not valuable. People buy it because it's highly valuable, right? Um, yeah. So,
0: wow. Yeah, David. Uh, looking at your your information, it says that over the past fifteen years, you have helped develop educational and marketing content for large financial firms like Allstate, mm-hmm. New York Life, State Farm, uh, AM Trust, and JG Wentworth. Mm-hmm. But I'm also interested in the fact that you do some work with the California State University. Yeah. Uh, You teach essays on human life value and life insurance as part of this expository writing and reading course. Uh, What is the the dichotomy, I suppose, between dealing with these large uh, corporations and uh, a public school service like the University of um, California?
1: Yeah. So that's, that's really interesting. So, um, so yeah, so, so, Cal- so the, so the university, um, the university approached me and they had this, um, they had this, uh, course that they were trying to work out. And, you know, they asked me if they could use my material on life insurance and specifically they wanted to use some, some stuff that I had written about uh, a concept in the insurance industry called human life value. And so I said, uh, we, you know, we kind of went back and forth. And, you know, when you get a when you get an email from the chancellor's office uh, of, a, of a large state university, at first I thought I was, I th- at first I thought it was a spam email, right? Yeah, <laughs> they're not, you know, yeah, they're not yeah. contacting me. Come on. <laughs> they're not contacting me. And uh, now and then I got talking back and forth and, and, and yeah, they did. So, and they decided, you know, she had said that uh, we're putting together a course, we'd like to use some material. Um, and I, you know, you have to go through certain approval process and give them an okay to do that. Um, with large firms, the, the content stuff that I've done with large firms is a lot of it's been kind of through the back door kind of thing. You know, they wanted help developing client educational material or marketing content. And it needed to be, you know, somebody that knew the insurance business and knew how the products worked and stuff like that. So with them, um, it's a whole different story. Like they are, I don't want to say that, I don't want to say that financial firms aren't, aren't interested in, um, quality or paying uh, you know a good price for things but with an educational institution their their focus is obviously on education right and and anytime you can anytime you can do a anytime you can do something with an educational institution and and the and the quality of the material is good you know i think that you've got you do have now there's a lot of problems with with colleges that you know i don't want to go into in this in this uh, podcast but um I think if you've got a good teacher and they're willing to, and they're, and they're, and that is the focus. And, you know, when you're talking about, um, a college, you know, presumably that they're interested primarily in education. Yeah. I like that work. I like being able to do stuff like that. As long as I know that my material is going to be used for that purpose. And it's going to be, you know, it's going to be basically that it's going to be used for good and not for evil. <laughs> you know, um, I, I, like the idea of being able to, um, be able to influence and educate young minds. Right. Uh, Because I want those ideas. I mean, a big part of what I do. Yes, I run a business. um, I'm an insurance agent. So I sell life insurance. I do custom life insurance plans and stuff like that. And that's the business side. A big part of that, though, is spreading ideas. And there's a certain ideas that that I want to be able to spread and to do, you know, whatever I can do to influence the culture
0: to a,
1: you know, to whatever degree that I can. And so when you're working with an educational institution, that's what you're doing. When you're working with corporations and firms, it's a lot of it is you're working, you know, you're, you're, you're pushing out content and, and helping them usually in a marketing sense, it's not the same thing. You know, it's not the same thing. I'm not saying it's bad, it's just, it's, it's different. I like the idea of being able to introduce new ideas to young yeah. minds. All
0: right, wonderful. Now, we are in the midst of a pandemic and yeah. a whole lot of people are struggling financially,
1: yeah.
0: uh, trying to cope with loss of income, loss of their jobs. Yeah, uh, Some people have had to dig into their little savings and other financial products. Yeah, What advice would you give to struggling folks, I guess, in terms of, if any at all, an investment that they could make in an insurance product that would somehow them maybe not in the short term but in the long term in preparation for something like this again if not but just to build some level of asset so that they would have something to fall back on and look forward to in the future
1: yeah so it man that's tough man oh, wow. <laughs> that's tough uh i i know and i can speak you know Uh, because I'm in the United States and so I know it's, it's different for, you know, depending on where you live, I can speak for the, you know, being in the United States, I can say there are certain things you can do, right. Um, The first thing being having just a little bit of money set aside for emergency purposes, you know, nothing wrong with having cash in the bank. Okay. Um, You know, if you can have a month's worth of expenses um, Mm -hmm. saved up in a savings account or something like that, uh, that gives you a pretty good buffer. You know that gives you time. Like that means that that means that you're not three days away from being evicted. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, if you if you if you're basically a month, if you can pay this month's bills and next month's bills, you've essentially given yourself a sixty day buffer, okay. so that you've got time. Right? Things are not going to happen to you immediately. You've got you can effectively what's happening is if you've got let's say sixty days, at least thirty, but ideally let's say sixty days money by if, if I could kind of get across you know, one, one idea is money buys time. So if you've got savings, that savings is going to buy you time. Nothing's going to happen to you immediately. Um, that's a really that's a really big idea that I think a lot of people um, they learned kind of the hard way uh, during okay. the pandemic. They had two or three weeks of cash on hand, especially businesses. Yeah. and they when they ran out, it was out and they were basically out of business. You know, they could get money. Some of them could apply for grants and stuff like that from the government and loans from the government. But even with that, a lot of times they still didn't make it. Okay. So that's what would be step one is to have a small buffer. All right. And then, you know, for people who live in the U S uh, you know, whole life insurance uh, you know, that's one option. And obviously maybe I'm speaking from a certain bias here because I'm in the industry, but um you know, whole life insurance is an excellent way to hedge against the, uh, just any financial risk. Like, you, you know, the financial risk of you not having a job or you, your business being shuttered for an entire year. I mean, people don't think about that. I've talked to clients about that, you know, not, and not too, not, and not in the not too distant past, I've talked to uh, to clients about that and, and told them because they asked me, I said how mu- they said, how much uh, how much savings should I be building up inside my insurance policy? And I said, 18 months. Minimum 18 months. And I had some people who were like, I, ah, that sounds like a lot. Right. And I, and I, I said, look at what happened over the past year or, you know, almost two years. Right. So 18 months is not out of the, cause nobody saw this, right. Nobody would have guessed that, you, that we would have been where we are today. Nobody. If you ask people five years ago, if this was a possibility, I guarantee you, no one would have even seen this coming. But if you had 18 months worth of savings built up and you had insurance against this, it still would have been a surprise, but you would not have been in the financial trouble that some people were in. So having that, and specifically in insurance, because if you, I mean, if you look at, um, if you look at, uh, you know, a, a lot of the investments that you can make Look at what those investments have done. Um, you know, there was a severe stock market crash in the in the uh, the United States. And that was when people needed money. The market crashed at the wrong time, you know, because people needed it. The people need it. I mean, that's about when people started being told we're not going to work. You know, this is going to happen. Your business, you're not allowed to operate. So... That's when people needed money and you do not want to cash out your investments when they just went through a 20 plus percent decline. That right. doesn't help you. Yeah. <laughs> that doesn't help you at all. Exactly. You know, you want to be able to keep, I mean, there's this thing in financial planning that says, you know, if the stock market crashes, just ride it out because it'll come back. And generally speaking, that's true. But what do you do in the meantime? What do you do while it's, what, what, what do you do when you need money while it's recovering? Yeah. That's what insurance is for. That's right. what the whole life insurance is for. That's okay. what it does. All
0: right. Great. You mentioned that you are not really into financial planning earlier. Yeah. And um, I'm thinking, is it is it something that most business owners don't look into either in terms of a, a financial advisor? Um, and if so, what do they do instead? What do they use otherwise?
1: So... I think that, um, I think that there's, it depends on the business owner. I've known business owners that do seek out financial planning. Um, I, I don't know that it helps them from what I, from what I see. I don't know that it helps them. And, and for a couple of different reasons, the, and again, this is my own personal opinion. Uh, what I see from the financial planning industry is I see a very author- like top-down, sort of authoritarian approach to financial planning. It's very much a do this, not that type of advice. Right. And it's, um, it's, a, it's a business model. The, the, the financial world, the financial industry largely still operates on a business model where it creates dependency. So if you're seeking financial advice, you there's a very, very good chance that you are going to end up in a position where you're dependent, where you're increasingly dependent on an investment advisor, a financial planner of some kind. And the more money you sort of hand over and the more control over your money that you cede over to somebody else, the more dependent you become on them. And I just I I fundamentally disagree with that. I believe in a in a in a, in a financial model where you have an increasing amount of control over your money. And again, that's one reason why I am in the life insurance business and why I advocate for whole life insurance, because if you own a if you own a whole life policy, for example, you are literally the policy owner. You have the final authority on what happens to all the money that you put in that policy. The insurance company, while they hold the money for you, yes, they're gonna make investments and so on, but you can call them at any time and say, you know what? I want my money back right now. And they have to give it to you. There's no if, ands or buts. And you, it's a contract. It's a private contract between you and the insurance company. It's not a tax loophole. It's not, um, you're, it's not, a, it's not a government favor. It's not a government tax favor of any kind. It is a contractual arrangement where you are guaranteed a certain sum of money, no matter what. And you as a policy owner, you own, you literally own the contract. In fact, the way that in the United States, the way it works is if you buy a life insurance policy from a mutual insurance company, that policy gives you ownership. It gives you ownership rights in the company. You can vote on the board of directors. You can, you have ownership in the policy and you can direct the cash values. Like you can borrow them out. You can cash them out. You can tell the insurance company, you know, how much premium you're going to pay and so on you have a lot of control over your money. And that's the the sort of thing that I believe in is a situation where you have an increasing amount of control over your money and your finances and that you're become, uh, you work towards financial independence and really financial, you're building financial security by doing that as opposed to becoming more dependent on someone else.
0: I hear you, very intriguing, my friend. Okay, so we're going to take about a minute break and we're going to have a little musical interlude and I'll just check on YouTube and Facebook and see if there are any comments or questions for you. We'll be back shortly, David. Yeah, take a drink. Yeah. Take a deep breath. Get some fresh air. Hang in there, buddy. in mm-hmm. the we are. We are back live my friend. We are with David Lewis the room, life insurance expert and we're about to wrap up. I don't have any comments or questions for you right now so tell me my friend where can anyone who's interested in learning more about personal insurance, corporate insurance any type of insurance uh, these important life lessons in terms of investment in financial products and so on how they can make contact with you, how they can get your information, your website, your podcast, stuff like that.
1: Yeah. So, so I think that probably the best thing would be just to go to the website. Um, Everything happens through the email list. I have a, um, I run a daily email list. So you can uh, sign up to the daily email list by going to monogenics.com. So that's M O N E G E N I X.com. If if people don't want to be on the email list, that's fine. I also publish articles to the blog. Um, You know, I have a blog that you don't need to sign up for anything. If you don't want to, you can just kind of peruse the blog and read at your leisure. Um, There's a lot of stuff that does not get published to the blog. That's only in the, it's only on the daily emails. Um, But, uh, but if people just want to read the blog, they're, they're free to read that. I can say, if people do want to join, um, I, you know, once you join, um, the email list. Uh, you uh, you can download um, a. There's a free report called Why Successful Businesses Fail, um, and I've been told I've had I've been told that 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 was sort of a game changer for a lot of people um, when they when they read that. It goes into a lot of the psychological uh, and financial and also philosophical reasons why some businesses succeed and why some of them fail and some uh and so yeah so so if you want that uh go ahead and join the email list and uh and that kind of starts there and then that kind of gets you access to to the monogenics universe if so to speak
0: yeah sounds good sounds good well david it has been a pleasure having you here with us my friend
1: yeah it's been fun
0: yeah very lively and fun chat quite intriguing some stuff from your background and uh the information you share with the people that you're currently working with? And are there any parting words that you'd like to say to our people at this time? Uh,
1: You know, only that, I I guess, you know, I I guess whatever it is that you do, um, you know, whatever it is that you do in life, um, you know, and, and I know there's a lot of people who, you know, will, they, won't be interested in anything that I have to say. I, I'm just hoping that, uh, whether you love me or hate me and whether you like what I have to say or not, you know, I hope that at the very least, you know, that you learn something okay. and that, you know, my, again, my goal is to spread the ideas and to help people just live better lives be yeah. and build, help them build more financial security in their life.
0: Excellent, thank you very much. Well, there you have it. Our special guest, Mr. David Lewis, the rogue life insurance expert. Please join us on Saturday. That Saturday. This Saturday coming the 28th of August at 5 p.m. on the breakout room. We'll have Mr. Dave Turner. Dave Turner is dealing with the ascendancy of the nation of Israel and it's uh, closeness as it is assigned as a special nation to God and the proof that God exists as a result of the existence of this nation still upon you. That's at 5 p.m. our time right here on the breakout room. So for now, we're saying God bless, Godspeed, stay safe, and until we see a again-